Welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G MBA podcast. We are in week like four, coming up to week four of the MBA season. We're still yet to give up on recording this podcast weekly, which astonishes me. The discipline, the consistency, we're out here for you. Uh, so let's dive right into it. With me, I've got, as always, the Macedonian Marvel, uh, the guy who produces better hot takes than anyone I know. It's Adam G. G'day, Adam G. G'day, Adam B. Can I just start with, uh, we don't really have a consistent opening of funnies or jokes or anything like that. Um, however, I've, I just think it's a little bit weird. And I think that a lot of radio hosts, podcast hosts, and anyone who has a a consistent opening, the only reason why it works is because they do it long enough that everyone kind of just tolerates it. You become numb to it. Yeah, you become numb to it. And sometimes some people can have funny openings, but I feel like it's just better for us to just start off straight away and just hit you with the facts right in your face and just go from there. Yeah, we wouldn't really be good and at funny I mean, openings, yeah. you know. No, and our always obviously correct opinions. Obviously always correct. So why don't we, you know, follow our own advice. Let's dive right into it. Why don't Do we I need start? to start yeah, and we, apologize? Let's just start with a little update. For those who missed last week's episode, we gleefully, gladly blacklisted the Cleveland Cavaliers. They simply did not deserve... Our attention, we said, because they were putting zero effort in on the court. They looked like shit, boring to watch, drama, drama, drama. What's the point of talking about them? So they were blacklisted from this show. We weren't going to talk about them until they put in the requisite effort on the court, Adam G. And what happened the day after on uh, November the 3rd uh, in America? What happened? It was a signature LeBron fuck you game. And not only was it a signature LeBron fuck you game with 57 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists, and holy shit when he wants to, he is just, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, his dad is the father. Yeah. But the Washington Wizards, the Washington professional basketball team, just when you trust them, they fuck you. Just when you trust, just when you, whenever you want to trust the Washington Wizards, the Washington professional basketball team, they bone you. They fuck you. Do not ever trust them. They were favorites at home against the Cavs. And the night before the game, John, uh, sorry, not John Wall, Bradley Beal had sounded out LeBron and the Cavs saying that in oh, last man. season's playoffs. This is so dumb. In last season's playoffs that the Cavs deliberately lost at the end of the season to avoid the Washington professional basketball team in the playoffs. Which is so incredibly dumb. Like, anytime they try and pull this shit, whether it's wearing all black in an attempt to close out the Celtics in the playoffs in a funeral game, or yes. calling out LeBron, like, every time... They they, you. They, they just fuck you over. There's no point yeah. trusting this team. They're, they're so unreliable. They're about as trustworthy as John Wall's three-point jump shot. Uh, uh, fuck the Washington professional basketball team. But I, I actually, you know, I, I did notice the LeBron fuck you game, like most people. And I was thinking about our blacklisting of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I said, mm, does it really count as a team effort, the kind of effort we were looking for, if it's just LeBron putting the whole team on his shoulders and taking a fuck ton of shots? Like, who else showed up? Eric Rose showed up. Well, where is he now? He's injured yet again. Oh, uh, yeah, he was injured again. But in that one game, that one game, <laughs> Derek Rose managed to shoot 50% from the floor, the free throw line, and hit both his free throws, and was what I think for the first time all season, a net positive throughout oh, the game when he was on the court. Minus. Wow. I mean, that's good. And to be clear, today's effort... Today's losing effort against the Houston Rockets. I think they went down by, what, two or three points, Adam G? Um, yeah. That was quite spirited. I think they were down double digits, and then we got a, a signature annual Jeff Green 
tease slash justify his contract game where he shot yeah. like, you know, 90% in the second quarter, um, had one of those kind of flashy poster dunks, looked kind of grumpy, decided to play defense and everything. He does this once a year. He pretends, oh, let's all just yeah. pretend that Jeff Green's a good player. This is fun. But all in all, the team looks better, even if J.R. Smith still can't really shoot, can he? No, he can't. But Jeff Green is a perfect, perfect relation and uh, I guess encapsulation encapsulation of the Washington Wizards. Just when you trust trust them. Don't trust it. Yeah, just when you trust them, just when you believe it's going to get better or improve or stay like that, they fuck you. So any, any degenerates out there who enjoy spending a little bit of money on the basketball or any multis or anything like that, uh, do not trust the Washington Wizards. Uh, do not trust the Cincinnati Bengals for anyone who enjoys a little bit of an NFL game. Mm. And do not trust Jeff Green because he will not back this up. I love Jeff Green. He'll do this twice a year. He'll win you two games a year usually just with some like 44.8 rebound performance. And he looks like MJ and he's so athletic and he like goes to the rim like oh man, if he did this every week or if he did this every game and then, and then yeah. he never does. He never does. We, um, can we just quickly go over LeBron's line from that Wizards game Yeah, we need and, just, to. and just remind ourselves for the rest of this podcast and the rest of this season that he can do stuff that shouldn't be possible and when he wanted to and other people were stupid enough, Bradley Beal was stupid enough to ignite a little bit of fire in LeBron's season. 42 minutes, 57 points, shooting 23 from 34 from the field. So 57 points on only 34 shots, hit 50% of his threes, was perfect from the line, and LeBron is not very often perfect from the line. No. A perfect nine for nine on the night. And just to add on to that, 11 rebounds, seven assists, three steals, two blocks, only two fouls for the game and a what might be a close to a season low three turnovers despite the high usage rate in that game. We just have to remind ourselves that yeah. come playoff time, as bad as this Cavs team might be, as as bad as they might be now or even through the playoffs at any time, we just have to remind ourselves that this guy can do stuff that we will not see again for a while. Um, both with his vision, his ball handling, his knowing how to take over a game and also how to say fuck you to anyone who doubts him. I love a LeBron fuck you game. It's just beautiful to watch every time. Um, And it should be noted, this guy is fourth in the league in scoring, like narrowly fourth. He's ahead of Curry, he's ahead of Durant in points per game. And then he's fucking fifth in the league in assists, right? The four people ahead of him are Harden, Paul, Wall, and Westbrook. Like, he he is almost averaging a triple-double. Um, he's doing it with efficiency. And is are we going to have the Ty Lue needs to get fired conversation? Is it a Ty Lue problem full stop? Is it a personnel problem? They're I think old. it's partly a... Yeah, I think it's partly a Ty Lue problem. But they're really old. Um, they're, they're a very, very old team. Yeah, but this is a an old man's game. If you look at all the championship winners over the last decade or so, most of those teams who've won the finals and won the championship have actually been some of the older teams. Young teams don't necessarily have a great track record of success in the in the postseason. No, and that makes sense to me. But the the metrics where this old issue, this issue of age, comes into play are getting back quickly on defense and your transition defense, getting out to shooters to contest shots, which um, in today's NBA, when the floor is so stretched, when there are shooters everywhere, it's really important. Like their defense is terrible. Their offense is good, but I think it's looking, and I know it's still early and it's still the regular season. And uh, it's been like less than a month, but it's, it seems like their game plan, their game style, their demeanor isn't really compatible with 
championship basketball in the modern play style? Yeah. You can only put five players on the court, and more often than not, the best player on the court, he and his team wins. And LeBron is, without trying, leading the league in value over replacement player. So his value to his team. He's leading the league in box score plus minus and offensive plus minuses. He's fourth in the league in win shares per 48 minutes. He's leading the league in offensive win shares. He's not even doing this with a top 10 usage rate, by the way. He's, he is 14th in the league in usage rate. And on top of this, he's actually managing to do this all efficiently while still Adam playing G. the third most minutes in the league. Adam G, you, you got me all wrong. I have no criticisms for LeBron's season so far. His 15th season, he's a beast. All of my criticism is directed at his teammates his coach, and his mysterious, nameless, faceless GM because what's around him is, is garbage. Except for tonight where Jeff Green had his annual tease game, Jeff Green was not garbage. Has Jeff Green ever screwed you with a, a tease or a bet or anything like that? Uh, so Jeff Green had a couple of really fascinating seasons with my Celtics um, towards the end of the Big Three era the new big three era. And he did it. So like he, he would have big performances like, you know, 44 point nights against LeBron's heat, or he would um, show up big in game two of a playoff series and then vanish. But my lasting memory of Jeff Green um, was actually in the last game of the big three era. So this is right before Danny Ainge pulls the trigger on the, uh, KG, Paul Pierce trade to Brooklyn, dismantles the core and says, we're rebuilding. The last game was, uh, was it game six against the Knicks, who looked way, way better than us. And we went down big. We were like 30 points down at home in an elimination game. And uh, we went on this huge run, Avery Bradley, got steal after steal, um, and we rattled off literally, I think it was 18 or 21 points in a row in the fourth quarter to pull it back within like six or seven points. And Jeff Green was a part of that comeback. And he missed, he like, there was this one play that ended the run. So he was going in to the rim and he blows this wide open layup and gets like a homer, referee call and he got lightly grazed and the referee decided to call a foul after he missed the shot. He he goes to the line and he misses, he misses the free throw and it just killed the entire momentum of the comeback. Adam G I shit you not that season ended because Jeff green just sucked the life out of a room. Not for the first time. I might add. Yeah. I don't think I uh, envy you having Jeff green on your team. Um, I think I'm glad he hasn't ever made it to the Bulls. That's all I can say. He will eventually. One-year contract, baby. All right. Tell me. Let's move on past our D-blacklisted Cavaliers. Um, Let's really, really quickly touch on the Celtics because I know we talk about them a lot, but a 10-game winning streak, 10 in a row after losing their first two, after losing Gordon Haywood in game one. They look great. They got the best defense in the league. Um, they are sharing the load really, really well. Uh, Brown and Tatum are looking great. Kyrie's not having to do too much. Al Horford is in career best form, I have to say. I mean, what more is there to say? They look great. I know Horford's out now with a concussion and Tatum's bunged his ankle. So maybe we'll see them lose to the Hornets tomorrow. But all in all, you got to give Brad Stevens a big old pat in the back Future president Brad Stevens, handsome, lovely, talented man, has made this team work. He's uh, he's arguably coaching at the top of his game and the best in the NBA right now. And he's a massive reason why you guys are managing to put together 10 wins straight without your arguably second or third best player in Hayward. Mm. And doing this all with not one player in the top 30 in PER, not one Boston player. Kyrie Irving is 31st in the league in PER. 
I think he's in like 2021 or something like that. He's not, so he's not doing too much. Yeah, he's at 22.6. Yeah. Which is, but he's being efficient and he's running the team well. And just to get you a little bit excited for the upcoming season, there have been 23 teams who have had a 16-game win streak or more. Most recent, we've had, you know, Golden State Warriors going on massive win streaks, Atlanta Hawks, uh, Miami Heat back in the 12-13 season. Within one season, within one season, we've had 23 different teams have a win streak of 16 games or more, and 12 of those teams have won the championship. Mm. 12 of the, more than 50% of those teams have won the title. So mm. more often than not, mm. a team who's managed to put together 16 wins in a row mm. has managed to win the title. Very interesting. You, uh, are you gonna get? Are you gonna get excited if uh, the Celtics pull off six more wins? Well, I know we're playing the Warriors. I think in Golden State in three more games. So, um, well, that wasn't big for the Pistons. If the Pistons can beat them there, why can't you guys? Because the Pistons have Avery Bradley, who's a notorious Golden State at Golden State killer. I don't know how he does it every time. But uh, look, my reflections on this win streak are. Brad Stevens is the man I want to be when I grow up, number one. And number two, I think Al Horford is the most important player for the Boston Celtics because if anyone watched the garbage fire that was the Celtics-Lakers game the other night, you would have noticed a lot of things without Al Horford being there. Number one, the beautiful pace and space and pick-and-roll offense that led to so many great shots for the Celtics players like uh, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or even Terry, like without Horford there for the pick and rolls and to pop out to the three-point line, the offense relied so much on ISOs. And that's really the first ISO Kyrie I've seen all season for an extended period of time, and I didn't love it. Um, and against all odds, I, I sat there thinking, damn, I think Al is our most important player. Brad Stevens, our most important asset. Al Horford, our most important player. And you saw that with... You know, Isaiah Thomas, like Isaiah Thomas had the best season of his career playing with Al Horford. And I think there was a reason. Uh, for I that. agree. It's that yeah, I agree. His offense, it's the, it's the pace and space and it's the pick and roll. Well, he has the highest defensive rating of any player in the NBA, Al Horford. This is someone who's managing to not only contribute on the offensive end by helping all his other four teammates and especially Kyrie, but on the defensive end is helping you guys become the defensive lockdown machine that you guys have started the season on. Um, but look, if you guys, Adam B, today on 10th of November, if you guys manage to win the next six games against the Hornets, Raptors, Nets, Warriors, Hawks, and Mavericks, I'm betting on you guys for the title. Oh, no. I did have fantasies. I'm like, God, this year when we inevitably meet Cleveland in the uh, playoffs, It'll be good to have a serious weapon like Kyrie Irving there for the big moments where you just need like a, a silencing bucket. Uh, traditionally, moments where Celtics players have shat the bed. Shout out to Marcus Smart, who I adore. Shout out to Terry Rozier. Shout out to a lot of Celtics players the past three, four years. Um, a player that won't shit the bed as soon as things get tough against Cleveland is very enticing. So I hope they can keep on doing what they're doing and... Um, Don't keep the lid on it, Adam. Come on. I'm keeping the lid on it. No, they, they are. So, they're Don't still. You just get excited because they've not been through any adversity. The their biggest signature win thus far has been against. What do you mean no adversity? They just lost their second best player. What I'm saying is they've not had a losing streak. They've not really faced a seriously tough team in this win streak. Like they beat the Spurs. The Spurs didn't have Kawhi or Tony Parker. They beat the Thunder, but okay. as we're soon to discuss, the Thunder are kind of a garbage fire. So I'm very, very pleased, um, but I'm not losing my shit yet. Give it a, well, talk to me next week. If we still haven't lost, okay. we'll have a conversation. But All right. one thing I did want to touch on before we leave this is in watching that Celtics-Lakers game a couple of days ago, or yesterday rather, I did notice something else about our um, long-term rivals, the Los Angeles yes. Lakers. They suck. Yeah, like 
they're all, they're all right when they when they go all in on effort. Like I like Brooke Lopez. I really liked Julius Randle. But something I couldn't help noticing is that Kyle Kuzma, Adam G, is a, f- a definitively more useful player than Lonzo Ball right now. I'm with you. And like, part of that is because better. he can actually dribble. Well, he can dribble and he can shoot. And he's not scared. I mean, yeah, he can dribble and he can shoot and he's not scared. And Lonzo cannot dribble, cannot shoot, and is scared. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Kyle Kuzma is... I'm glad, although it happened due to injury, I'm glad that he's uh, getting chances in the starting lineup now. He's great. But, uh, yeah, what a player and what a name as well. Great name, Kuz. He's got beautiful eyelashes, I have to admit. I've noticed them. Kind of got that beautiful Al Horford face. But he's also fearless, which is rare for a rookie. He's not as polished as, say, a Tatum, but I think he's got more courage and guts, and he doesn't mind getting in there and making mistakes, which he occasionally does. He's a winner. Yeah, that's like a winning mentality. Lonzo, I mean, it looked to me a little bit like um, Lakers coach Luke Walton was just begging him. He must have had a, a word to him before the game and during the game. He said, "Look, take the ball to the to the bucket." Like, take it's almost a risk. like, yeah, it's almost like Lonzo's had a parental figure do everything for him all the time. Almost like stage almost, managing his life. Yeah, almost like a parental figure has been enabling him or holding his hand for his entire uh, teenage life, and you know, high school and college him. life. Yeah, unnecessarily hyping him. You know, bigging him up when he actually wasn't that good. Um, I wonder if that's the biggest problem here. And I see it all the time with parents and kids. And one of the biggest problems and one of the biggest advantages some kids have is a good parent or a horrible parent, not in terms of their intent, but in terms of their support and how they support their kids and what they do to manage that kid's expectations or to build them up when they need a little bit of confidence. And... Mm. I mean, Lonzo just needs to play through it, I guess. And maybe this is one of those things where he needs to leave California eventually. Yeah, like his his father created at least part of the mess that he's in right now. But he kind of strikes me as like this type of player or this type of person you've seen before growing up, like a wildly talented athlete with great instincts who has no desire to take over a game, who is reluctant to assert themselves over a game. Like we knew players like that, guys like that growing up who had talent and finesse, but not so much, I don't know. Didn't have the right mentality. mentality. Did not have the right mentality. It just looked like, it looks like Lonzo's afraid to make a mistake because he thinks he's going to end up on sports center and people will roast his dad on Twitter or some shit. And to be fair, (laughs) to be fair, he like, was way more attacking than I'd seen him so far against the Celtics. Um, And he did get a shot, like, fucking wildly blocked by Marcus Smart, who went full vertical Superman to get up and swat it away. Um, But you know what happened? Like, three plays later, he blocked the shit out of, like, Lonzo blocked the shit out of Kyrie, and people move on. It's okay to make mistakes, because if you're going to put yourself in winning positions, you've got to expose yourself to potential failure. But... Uh, I feel bad for him, and I think that Luke Walton really needs to zero in on him and make sure he's confident enough to at least bring the ball up the court when he's being pressured, or at least try to, and attack yeah. the basket when it's open. And you know, he needs to be able to do those things if they're going to get the most out of his incredible abilities. Yeah, and for any, um, it reminds me of a really important quote that I read from a very smart uh, development coach over in Europe a Spanish guy who used to coach at a few different clubs and for a short while at Liverpool as well, um, in soccer world, obviously. Uh, and he said that some of the best players that he's seen have an attitude, even at a very young age, of this attitude of give me the ball, even if I make a mistake, I'm not afraid to take responsibility in big moments and in big games. Right. And, and that's what teams require at the NBA level you are required to be a strong-minded individual who can actually think for yourself. You don't need to be told what to do. You're clever enough to make the right decision on the court to help you perform well and help your team win. And if you combine that with the skill 
athleticism and all those other tools, then you have the best players. He needs to say to himself, I'm going to pick my spots because if I pick my spots and I become effective, it's going to open up the floor for my entire team. He kind of needs like a little itty bitty bit of Marcus Smart DNA. You know, a Marcus Smart will take a dumb contested three or he'll like try and do too much going to the rim and he'll like give an offensive foul. Um, He'll charge someone or he'll go for a steal and it's a reach in. It's like Marcus Smart does that too much, but you know, Lonzo needs a little yeah. bit more of that to be effective. Yeah, and we'll finish on this because we don't really need to be talking about the Lakers. Neither of us like the Lakers enough to be no, talking about it any Lakers. further. It's boring um, yeah, but look, unfortunately with rookies these days is we either hype them up to be the next superstar or to be a complete flop. Mm. And sometimes it's okay for a player to just be maybe good or average or have a 10-year career starting on most teams. And I don't think Lonzo's skilled enough. I don't think he has enough athleticism or gifts of that nature. And I don't think he has the right attitude to become anything that that high draft pick warranted. But he will probably be good enough to stay in the league a while. And it might be that he ends up being a – a younger Jason kid on those Dallas Mavericks teams. Yeah. where He ran an offense to a point, but the offense didn't run through him. He wasn't the guy who finished the play. He was the guy who made sure the ball got to the spot where it needed to get to. And he basically got out of the way and he might not be even Rondo, right? Even Rondo on those Celtics teams where he was the fourth best player, but it was just because, Really, I mean, they had someone had to be the fourth best, best player, but he did what he needed to do. He got the ball to where it needed to get to at the right moment and got out of his way and did his job. And that's I don't think comparison. there's anything wrong. Like I don't think there's anything wrong. To shoot. Yeah, that's yeah. Like a good goal for him. And also, I have a prediction. At some point, probably not this season, Lonzo's going to like get a buzz cut and come out as like a heel <laughs> and he's going to be like, I'm fucking taking this shit seriously now. I'm not giving any interviews. Here I am. And he will go all in. But until yeah. we see that haircut moment, I, I'm, I, yeah. I'm not buying it. Yeah. When he buys a face wash, grows a little bit of stubble and shaves his head. Yeah. Yeah. I'm predicting him to go like the, the buzz cut, the buzz cut. All right. Let's move on to something else that is distressing. Um, I had a bit of time to kill in between work today and I watched a quarter and a half of the Thunder Nuggets game. Um, now, if you told me a year ago that fucking Paul George, Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, Hoodie Mello, were going to all be playing on the same team, you know, a couple of months after Russell wins the MVP and this is like them going all in, the GM going all in and saying, let's make this a championship caliber roster, I would be fucking foaming at the mouth. That, I would say, is a fun team. But they are terrible to watch. Everything is ISO. There's a lot of mellow ISO, jab, 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 step, jab, 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 contested jump shot, mid-range. It's shockingly ugly to watch and why is it so bad adam g they're playing terribly well why is steven adams leading that team in per because he's great he's useful i know but why is steven adams leading a team in per and not that that's the be all and end all but steven adams is 28th in the league in per ahead of three multi-year all-stars yeah adams should be an all-star this year like he's playing so well and you talk about having the right attitude. This is a guy that has the right attitude, but he's surrounded by a bunch of guys who haven't really learned how to fit together yet. And I, I don't think I've seen them run a fucking play. Like wh- what's Billy Donovan doing? Is he just like, okay, so you take an ISO, then it's you take boat. an ISO and just crash the boards and let's try and get second. We're just chances. talking about, look, we're talking about a lot of teams who are maybe underperforming. And a lot of these teams who are underperforming have shit coaches. Yeah, Billy Donovan is just... So the Cavs have an underperforming... The Cavs are an underperforming team, shit coach. The Thunder 
who I still believe will finish somewhere in the top four in the West, although it's not looking great at the moment. They have a horrible coach. They did not improve their coaching situation going from Scotty Brooks to Billy Donovan. They got worse. They got worse. Like, they got substantially worse, I think. They are below the Lakers in the standing. They are below the Utah Jazz with Ricky Rubio running that offense Ricky and the Rubio LA is Lakers. Like the scorer. He's the shock creator. Ricky, that Ricky Rubio is the main scoring threat on the Utah Jazz. And the Thunder, with those three guys and career year Stephen Adams, still are below them. Yeah, I think I think you wouldn't want to play him in the playoffs. Like if they're an eight seed, you'd be a little bit nervous or a seven seed. Like they can do some damage, but they're yet to have a playbook and I urge you not to watch them yet because I don't know. If if you, if you just want to see three guys get up their shots and get their twenty points and leave with a loss, go ahead. But that's not basketball to me. No, and neither is Mello being one of the leaders in the league in turnover percentage and taking that many shots. And they're all mid range uh, and the jab, 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 jab. I'm like, cool, they'll go in thirty five percent of the time, but it's no fun. No, and it, look, and their defensive effort isn't as good, and a lot of people will still uh, see Paul George pretty high up in the steal numbers, but he's gambling on defense. Melo still sucks on defense, and I would back, I would back our mate Brooke to get a defensive board over Melo. <laughs> genuinely, like I would genuinely back him to actually show a little bit of effort and get a board ahead of Melo because he does what not. What about Melo screaming? Fuck out of here, motherfucker. Yeah, I know. He loves but he just Look, we just have Paul George gambling on defense. We have Melo doing his own thing and the only thing he's done for the last five or six years. And we have Russ not taking over games, not taking over all parts of their entire offense and actually sharing the ball, but then just standing there. Uh, I, I would just like to point out to you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners that every single week we've done this show, any team we have taken the time to shit upon has gone on some sort of winning streak. So if you're a betting man or woman listening to this, I highly, highly recommend throwing some money on the Thunder and potentially the Washington Wizards in the coming week. Oh, yeah. The the Wizards are going to fuck me up now, now that I've told everyone to stay away from them. Uh, it's the most Washington thing they could do. Once you make up your mind about them, they fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christoph's Porzingis. Oh. Now, Christoph's Porzingis has been tremendous. Amazingly fun to watch. Has led the Knicks to a bunch of comeback victories. He sat out the other night against Orlando and they lost. But other than that game, I've loved watching the Knicks to the point where I watched their local broadcast with Mike Breen doing his his local broadcast thing, and they're great. Like, they brought joy and fun back to Madison Square Gardens, and obviously Chris Dapps Porzingis is a huge, huge part of that. I love him. He had this weird, like, intense little five-minute rivalry against Dwight Howard the other night. Like, Dwight kept shoving him over and, like, tripping him up behind play, and Chris Dapps, this, like, very mild-mannered... Eastern European with a wonderful demeanor just got so frustrated and you were waiting to see what he was going to do. Is he going to get a tech? Is he going to try and make a fuck you play? And didn't you just know it? He iced that game against the Hornets with a fuck you three right in Dwight's face. I love Kristaps Porzingis. And he has everything you can want from your number one player. And people doubted him at the end of last year saying, he cannot be your number one. He has to be your number two. Phil Jackson tried he, to trade him. He threatened Jackson, to him. Phil Jackson tried to... Tra- what he did, he actually tried to melt down the Knicks, which he did a great job of almost. Crazy but loon. this guy, Crazy he loon, is... Phil Jackson is. He, my favorite was a triple block. And I can't remember which Co- core... It was, it was on Cody Zeller. On Cody Zeller. The triple block... From KP, and he was so excited, and he's locked in, and he's 
absolutely trying his heart out. I and love it's, his uh, That's exactly yeah, what New York's been missing. It's, it's had and a bunch of they're a, winning, they're a winning team. Yeah. Porzingis. Yeah, Porzingis has led his team to be a winning team, which is amazing. Awesome. Um, awesome. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is because he's still relatively young, um, he is taking on a massive burden for his team, doing it amazingly. He is arguably up there with Giannis in terms of young stars, young unicorns, and, hey, can we put them in the top five, top ten of MVP discussion? Yeah, I think um, if they can if they can keep winning, if they finish the season above yeah. five hundred, I would expect them to be in the top five, if not ten. Um, I'm just worried that he voting. won't be able to do this by himself for this long. And no, no, Adam G, hold on, hold on. He's got freshly minted seventy two million dollar contract, Tim Hardaway Jr. for support, and Courtney Lee. Oh, yeah, Tim Hardaway, the guy they would have had for $5 million a year. <laughs> no, look, the Knicks are fun. I will not shit on the Knicks today. Um, hats off to KP. I think he will be... I mean, he's playing next to Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor's good. Like, he can't do anything but rebound. Um, but I really like his... I, I like their energy at the moment, and I think Chris Stapps will be top 10 in MVP voting. Yeah, and, maybe yeah, and quick shout-out, I really vote. like... Um, Frankie, Frankie uh, Nilakina. Uh, Frankie I, smokes. I like, I like his uh, length. I like his effort. I like his his defense. Smarts, his, his defense his is defense. really good. I, yeah, I just think he's contributing to that team a lot more than what people thought. Um, yeah, yeah, doing um, well. If we can just go back, I actually think that um, was just giving a, a quick update on the MVP standings. There's two names we, we really should have been talking about already that I want to throw in the mix with Giannis. Um, I think that LeBron is a serious threat to be the MVP again if the Absolutely. Cavs can finish at like 700 or thereabouts, 650. Um, yeah. if, they can, if they can get a nice winning record going and he finishes you know top five in every statistical category, which he currently basically is... Um, he's a threat. I also think that Kyrie could be a, if, if no one from the East decides to make an effort and over in the West, if uh, the Warriors kind of cannibalize each other's MVP votes and Harden doesn't go to another stratosphere, although he looks, it looks like he has, um, I would say that Kyrie is a, is a dark horse for MVP if the Celtics can keep up a, a seriously healthy record because you know, you look through the history books and time and time again, you see like the MVP comes from one of the top two, maybe three teams in each conference. Yeah. I think so. But I also think there are these occasional years where people get sick of doing the same thing. And just for one season, they will go and do something different. Um, so having a, a six or five seed uh, player winning the MVP sometimes can just be fun for people like to do. Russ, just like Russ how, last year, yeah, like Russ last year. How like every year everyone should, you know, done. Oh, hold up, Adam G just cut it a little bit there. Go again. I'm just, I'm just saying that I don't think, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that an outsider can win the MVP because voters get voter fatigue. Yeah, and reasonably so. We don't want to keep seeing the same guys on the stage. Um, but LeBron... What about your top five? Would you say LeBron, Giannis, James Harden, Steph, Porzingis, and maybe the dark horse there is Kyrie? Uh, I would say that I don't think... I no longer am sure whether or not Milwaukee will be a winning enough team to warrant Giannis getting the MVP. I think he's yeah. like astonishingly good to watch, um, but I think they've shown who they are and shown the limitations of Jason Kidd's system. They did get our favorite all-time barbershop tweeting point guard, Eric Bledsoe, this week. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. how he fits in. Uh, I think he's playing his first game tomorrow against the Spurs. Um, yeah, and great move. Great move. As a quicker side. Great move. I think both teams won. There is talk of Greg Monroe getting bought out. So just watch this space and watch the fact that Greg Monroe as a 
third big or second big off the bench for any serious playoff team, uh, he will very likely be bought out yeah, soon. I can see him getting picked um, up by a contender. Yeah, but it's a good deal for the Bucks, who yeah, can either slide. I mean, look, well. they can slide. Yeah, they can slide Brogdon to the two, or they can start him on the bench, or they can start Snell on the bench. They have a much better guard rotation. And, you know, I like Bledsoe. I like his all-round game. I like his defense. And I like him as not the best player on that team. Yeah, I like him as, like, a guy off the bench or a, a, an energy guy, a defense guy yeah. that, like, brings something in particular. Um, but either way, I think the point's been made by the Bucks now that they aren't necessarily going to be a top three, four seed, not definitely at least in the East. And I think that'll hurt Giannis's chances. Um, I think LeBron, if they can get their shit sorted, is a red hot go. I think Steph will get too many votes pulled away by his teammates, like specifically Durant. Although I do like, you know, musclier, jacked up Steph Curry this season. He does look very, very good. I just, I think we've seen his bag of tricks. And if you're a media guy voting in it, like imagine just how high the bar would be for Steph Curry to impress you at an MVP MVP level again. Like, what does he have to do? Um, like yeah. LeBron, for instance, is putting up ridiculous numbers in his fifteenth season, very efficiently. That's impressive all over again. Steph's bag of tricks. Um, I don't know. I know we're over it. We get a little bit of fatigue for seeing the same player do the same thing. Yeah. They have to do something outstanding, which is why Giannis is a. Uh, is so yeah, it stands out. Right? Much fun. And Steph's yeah. in the same situation. Like LeBron's got a rotating cast of um, depl- like what would you call them? Uh, keep getting them chest <laughs> A rotating cast of keep getting them checks, guys. And so it's always impressive when he can make a team look good. Steph is surrounded by the same players he's been surrounded by the past few years. And they're coming off a championship year. So, like, I think the bar is fairly higher for him. Yeah, true. Um, but right now, yeah, I'd put my money on LeBron and I'd put my dark horse money on Kyrie. If, like, just... I'm going to... Well, I'm going to put my dark horse money while you're feeling a little bit of Celtics love and Kyrie love and somehow still keeping the lid on it. Um, I'm going to put my dark horse money on Anthony Davis. Whoa, now that would require a turnaround. And I know the Pelicans are playing two on five. They're playing two on five. They have two They're players. playing two on five. They put they two, players two players on the court. On the court. Yeah. yeah, it is just Anthony Davis and Boogie on the court. They are playing two on five basketball because why not? Why the fuck not? What are the other players actually doing? Every time the ball touches another player's hands... Uh, they get a little bit closer to losing a game. Yes. Yeah, and they are look two top ten players in in, in PER for the season. Two top ten or top twenty players in usage percentage as well. Um, but they are doing everything. The ridiculous numbers they are putting up yeah. as big men yes. is stuff that we haven't seen from inside outside. Shooting, uh, even their ability to combine with each other and play just man game because that's all they've got caught. Yeah, officially. Sorry, Adam G, you're really cutting out. I just uh, I don't know how how these two things are doing it into a five every single game. It is really impressive in that, and just God, imagine if they just if they had. A couple of good guards around them. I know uh, Drew Holiday can score. I mean, he dropped 34 points today uh, really efficiently, but he's not going to be able to do that every game. Uh, If they just had a little bit more around them and maybe listening to this podcast are Josh Smith and Rajon Rondo just kind of peering over our shoulders being like, don't forget about us. Yeah. but wow, that is a bold dark horse pick, and hats off to you, Adam G. We'll see how that pans out. We'll see how the Pelicans pan out. They're over five hundred, or are they five hundred exactly? 500 I think they're just on five hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, and our final note for the week, 
is something we alluded to earlier. A team we shat on last week. We absolutely heaped criticism at them. Uh, we noted that they were the, the worst a week ago. They were the worst defense in the NBA, despite having the NBA's most defensively minded coach. And they have since decided to go on a nice little win streak, only to be interrupted by the Golden State Warriors. But they had a great week. And we'd like to extend our sincerest apologies to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Look at that. Are we just going to have to be apologizing every podcast to everyone we are wrong about? No, because we're doing them a favor every time we, we hear criticism. Maybe about. we should just put a disclaimer out there and say, hey, guys, although we joke about the fact that our opinions are always correct, they are very often wrong. So maybe just we won't apologize. We, we may say some things that are wrong. Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. They beat New Orleans, Dallas, and Charlotte, okay? They stopped the bleeding, and for that, I congratulate them. Yeah. Um, and I wish, Jimmy, I wish Jimmy Butler all the best. I know he's, he's, he's shooting and scoring a little bit less, but they're winning, and that's what we want to see for Tibbs, if only for Tibbs, because uh, we know that basketball is, is always got. And we want the best for you, Tibbs. I, I still think they won't make the playoffs, despite this uh, resurgence. Would that be a disaster? To have Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler and hopefully a healthy Andrew Wiggins and not make you, the playoffs? Yeah. Do, you, do you remember Jason Richardson? Yes, I do. Orlando Magic. Yeah. Uh, maybe a season or two at the Heat. Um Andrew Wiggins might just be that kind of wing. And that might be it for his career. Because you remember coming out of high school, Andrew Wiggins was meant to be the next LeBron. They're like, you know, he's the most similar player to come out of high school since, like, since LeBron came out. They got a similar build and similarly hyped. And he's, uh, he's just never never really clicked in a way where he's become a consistent threat, has he? No, but Jason Richardson had a very good career, played 15 years in the league as a two or three, managed to average 17 points a game, five rebounds a game, and 2.7 assists per game. And I don't think Andrew Wiggins is... I'm pretty sure he's going to be similar to that come the end of his career as well. They're both similar-sized players, play a similar role on their teams and a similar position. And at the moment, we're not talking about much of a difference. Andrew Wiggins is averaging 20 points a game. He's averaging four rebounds a game and only two assists a game. So he's down a little bit on the rebounds and assists, and he's a little bit more in points. But their shooting splits are relatively similar over their career so far. Andrew Wiggins is shooting just under 45% for his career. And Jason Richardson shot just over 44% for his career. And from yeah. three, they're both hovering generally around 35% from three. And they're both hovering in the 70s at around 70% or 75% from the free throw line with similar rebound and assist numbers. And Andrew, think, Andrew Wiggins yeah. can be the third best player on a championship team. Exactly. And I, I just That's think they need to realize that. When will they realize that? When uh, will he realize that? Or when will he, would he ever be okay with that on that team unless it comes to a bad moment where he gets upset and then they trade him away and then he realizes, oh, I'm actually not that good. No, I think he knows it. Like, I think they need to work out, okay, who's the big balls on the team? Like, who's take, if there's a jump shot, uh, for the win, it's a set play. Is Jimmy Butler taking that shot or is Andrew Wiggins taking that shot? Uh, they need to work that out. I know they're like freelancing it a bit at the moment. Remember, uh, uh, Wiggins hit that game winner against the Thunder, uh, but that was like obviously not a, not a, a drawn-up play. Once they work out who's taking that big shot out of those two, obviously I think Kyle Anthony Towns is the alpha dog of the team. He's the best player by a mile. And but, he should take that shot. 
Well, well, no, just like the Knicks gave the ball to Patrick Ewing on the high post, and they used to say, go and do your thing. And anyone, even the the smallest of basketball fan, might even have seen the Patrick Ewing miss layup, the little bunny yeah. in the playoffs against the Pacers. But he, same thing, got the ball at the high post and took the last shot. Same as Dirk. Dirk used to be at the end of the game, here you go, Dirk. You get the ball at the free throw line. You get the ball at the high post. You go and do your thing. And sometimes that would be a kick out to the corner. But most often that would be create some space and step back or that would be drive to the basket when he gets overplayed. And I think Carl Anthony Towns should actually be taking that final shot. Do you think Tibbs would give that to him? I think that's the kind of stuff that we don't see often because it's more of a within the playing group thing. And it's more, while the coach has their say, a lot of the times there are a lot of things on the NBA court that are run by the players, which is why guys, you know, like what we started with, guys like Lonzo need to get a little bit more courage because Towns needs to say, you know, give me the ball here. Give me that. Wiggins, yeah. And I've seen enough of Jimmy Butler at the end of games to say that it's not that good a proposition for the team. No, Jimmy Butler, no. He's missed the fourth quarter sometimes, but he's very rarely missed to take your last shot and win you the game. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's some wisdom in what you said there. And shout out to Tibbs for like balancing the ship and it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. Like I'm keeping my yeah. eye on them the way I'm keeping my eye on the Thunder and the latter half of the playoff seedings in the West, I think are going to be fascinating. Uh, have you got anything else more to add this week, Adam G? It's been a good one. That's been a good one, Adam B. I'm glad we got to see uh, or be reminded of how amazingly damaging and destroying LeBron is when he wants to. And uh, I love a LeBron. Fuck you. See, yeah, and let's see. Uh, let's see how many picks or how many uh, things we have right come next week. I know, I know. It'll be interesting to see how much we're wrong about. But for now, let's thank the NBA gods for giving us in just one week a LeBron. Fuck you game. And a Jeff Green annual tease the hell out of you justify his contract game. Thank you, NBA gods. Thank you, Adam G. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Adam B. Thank you, Adam G.